For copyright reasons, music played during the program has been excluded from this podcast. Hornsby and Karingai, this is Triple H News Desk with James Elton Pym and Declan Gooch. Good morning and welcome to Triple H News Desk. I'm Declan Gooch. And I'm James Elton Pym. Thank you for joining us. On today's program, we speak to police about last week's tragic road accident in South Taramara that saw the death of a cyclist. And West Lee residents concerned about noise and toxic chemicals from a proposed construction site in their suburb. Also, a world record attempt might have just been set in Hornsby Heights. We tell you about the Taramara Rovers' attempt at the world's longest continuous barbecue. Later in the program, we talk to Richard Shields, the gardener who maintained Hornsby Park for 44 years and has just retired. And the latest proposal for Hornsby's west side, the Odeon transformed into a huge Art Deco cinema complex. To get in contact with us, email newsdesk at triplehfm.com.au or visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash triplehnewsdesk. Welcome to the program. An outbreak of salmonella at an Upper North Shore bakery has been blamed for the admission of 11 people to hospital last Wednesday. Newsdesk understands the business in question is the bakery at the South Taramara shops, but the health department has not officially named it. The suspected cause was the, were the pork rolls being sold by the bakery. The Hornsby Advocate reports that two further people became very ill but did not go to hospital. Police are asking the public for information after several fires were deliberately lit in North Epping and Cheltenham on Saturday. The first fire was seen at about 8.45am near a walking track next to Pennant Hills Park. It was extinguished, but a second burnt site was discovered further along the track. Police spoke with a number of cyclists and joggers who helped firefighters and believe there were people walking in the area at the time. Investigators would like to speak to these people. If you have any information, please call Crime Stoppers on 1800 over $80,000 has been raised for the Cancer Council, Cancer Council after the hornsby Karingai Relay for Life was held on the weekend. Over 300 participants from 30 teams took part in the event, which ran for 24 hours. Four participants were there the whole time. Robin Twigg, Gary Spencer, Matt Waringford and Richard Hogg battled sore feet and drowsiness to show their dedication to the cause. Activities filled Rove Park where the relay was held, including sack races, mini-golf, tug-of-war and a jumping castle. After 10.30pm there was a silent disco and each hour from 1am was themed with participants running laps wearing onesies, pyjamas and hats. The Pink Ribbons team raised the most on the day with their total about $9,000. One in two Australian men and one in three Australian women will be diagnosed with cancer by the age of 85. The money raised will go to cancer prevention and treatment, cancer research and support programs for those affected by the disease. Last week, a collision with a car on Kissing Point Road killed a cyclist. The road has previously been slated for improvements like bike lanes that haven't yet eventuated. James Elton Pym spoke to police about the incident. Last Wednesday morning, cyclist Paulo Froes fell from his bike on Kissing Point Road in South Taramara. He sustained critical head injuries and later died in hospital. This is Inspector David Hogg from the Hornsby Karingai Local Area Command recounting the accident. It was about 8 o'clock on Wednesday, the 30th of October, uh, when a cyclist was riding in a generally south direction along Kissing Point Road from the Pacific Highway heading down towards Commonara Parkway. He's negotiated a left and right sharp hand bend going down the hill. Uh, it then appears that he's been uh, distracted and hasn't sighted uh, other vehicles also travelling in the same direction had come to a stop in order to let a uh, resident out of their driveway. When he has realised that uh, those vehicles were slowing down to stop, 
Uh, he's tried to avoid colliding with the rear of one of those cars. Unfortunately, as a result of him trying to avoid one of those cars, he's gone to the wrong side of the road where he's uh, fallen off his cycle in front of the path of the car that was travelling in the opposite direction. The 45-year-old French's forest man was an Optus manager and was riding with a group of colleagues, including the Optus CEO, when the accident happened. The driver of the car that struck him is a 16-year-old girl on her L plates who was being supervised by her father at the time. Inspector Hogg says she's not at fault in any way. There's nothing that the motorist could have done. The, the motorist was a learner driver under supervision uh, at the time, being, being taught how to drive by her father. And um, the witnesses at the scene have indicated to police that uh, she did absolutely nothing wrong, uh, stopped as soon as she possibly could, and uh, they assisted with uh, providing some assistance to the rider. So this point in time, it certainly appears to just be a tragic accident, and police aren't, uh, whilst we're preparing a report for the coroner, we're not looking at charging anyone at this particular point in time. Inspector Hogg says the accident was caused by the cyclist having a momentary lapse in concentration. Our conversations with witnesses at the scene would certainly indicate that he was momentarily distracted and unfortunately in this instance that momentary distraction has, um, has cost him his life. Police advice for all road users is to stay alert. The advice for all cyclists and all road users in general is to just be aware of your, your situational awareness around you, things that are happening not just immediately in front of you but further up ahead, to your left, to your right, and constantly monitoring your environment so that when these threats do come up, you can immediately assess them and take evasive action as soon as possible uh, because tragic accidents like this do have a tendency to occur. Mr Froh's death is part of a recent rise in pushback accidents in the local area, some caused by road defects. Well, we have had a number of uh, pushback accidents this last 12 months in the Karingai area. Um, these have included riders who have hit potholes and fallen off their bikes, uh, riders who have had heart attacks on their bikes, uh, riders who have just, for, for other unknown reasons, have left the roadway and collided with rock walls. Um, there are, it's, a, it's a fantastic area, a great bushland area, where people like to ride their bikes. It's generally, for the number of riders we have on the roads, it's an extremely safe area to ride your bikes. But we just ask that all road users just be aware of their, their environment around them and, and take care. Kissing Point Road was identified as a black spot for cyclists in the Karingai Council's Bike Plan, a commissioned study that was published in December last year. Among its recommendations were bike lanes on areas of Kissing Point Road where there are none at the moment. James Elton Pym, Triple H News Desk. The best local news on radio. Triple H News Desk with James Elton Pym and Declan Gooch. A Mitsubishi ute parked at a motel on the Pacific Highway in Warunga last Wednesday night was broken into. A thief or thieves stole power tools from the ute's tray. They were valued at over $1,100. Several fences, a gum tree and a telegraph pole were coated in graffiti last Friday night at Brandon Place and Roma Road in St Ives. The tags painted were Rusto, Razia, Rustafar and NSF. The, if you know anything about these tags, contact Crime Stoppers on one 800 000. A home on Avery Street, Normanhurst, was broken into on Sunday and two laptops were stolen, as well as a Casio camera and an iPod. The total value was about $3,200. In an apartment block on the Pacific Highway in Warunga last Wednesday, a storage cage was cut open and 10 cases of wine were stolen. They were worth about $2,000. Finally, a burglary on Sherbrooke Road, Hornsby, saw a thief or thieves make off with a number of electronic items worth about $15,000 in total. The house was also ransacked. If you know anything at all about any of these incidents, please contact Crime Stoppers on one 800 to report crime anonymously. Warunga business owners are calling for a multi-storey car park at Warunga shops as they strongly reject Karingai Council's plans for paid parking in the area. The existing Coonanbarra Road car park, which has 179 spots, is often full, which led Council to propose a paid parking model of $4 for the first hour and $2 for every half hour after that. 
28 spaces close to the shops would have 20-minute parking available for free. Owner of the Pasta Deli Cafe, Robert Van Den Bogard, said that paid parking would be bad for business and that council should build a multi-storey car park like the one that exists at Gordon. Submissions closed on October 11. Local residents and shop owners presented a petition with 3,016 signatures against the proposal. Council will now prepare a report into the situation. Hornsby's early intervention centre for young parents has moved after 33 years in the same spot. The Koala Cottage, the state's longest-running such centre, had been operating from a small house on Burdett Street, Hornsby, since it opened. On the 31st of October, it was moved to a brand-new facility at the Hornsby Karingai Hospital. Dr David Lilliston, the director at the Koala Cottage, said the new setting would not change the services offered, but access to more modern facilities would, in, would result in an improved level of care. The Koala Cottage provides intervention and assistance to families who need help with breastfeeding and settling their babies. Transport for New South Wales are constructing a third track on the Northern Line to allow freight trains quicker passage. There's been controversy about the third track itself, but recently West, West Lee residents have banded together to oppose a potentially disruptive construction site in their area. Declan Gooch reports. The state government has a fight on its hands with West Lee residents determined to defeat plans to place a construction and excavation compound in the suburb for a new railway development. Dana LaGiudice, secretary of the Westley Progress Association, says that Transport for New South Wales wants to use government land off Quarter Sessions Road as a base for the third track development, which will see freight trains on the Northern Line bypassing suburban services and local stations. Well, what they're planning to do um, that affects Westley is use the Sydney waterland between Quarter Sessions Road and Sefton Road as a compound for processing the material which I guess is kind of fill that comes out of the excavation for the third track. The plan had been for a truck entrance on Quarter Sessions Road which is the only way in and out of that part of West Lee. The biggest concern was over the number of trucks coming in and out of the site, potentially 40 to 60 movements a day for up to three years. But Transport for New South Wales has listened to local concerns and suggested an alternative entrance on the less residential Sefton Road at the opposite side of the site. Residents were due to meet with the department tonight, but that will now take place in a week as the government develops the revised proposal. Now that we have another sort of week to prepare, um, I, I think our focus now will shift not so much from the traffic issues. Um, um, it doesn't seem that it doesn't appear that that's going to be an issue anymore. So we're now looking more at why we believe the site of Wesley itself shouldn't be used from an environmental perspective. Um, there's um, the flora and fauna that inhabit the site, from the noise and the dust, um, the possibility of toxins being in in, in that fill. Um, the, the the concern is also that it'll set a precedent. Ms Lajudice is worried that the site could be used again as a base for the M1, M2 link in a few years' time. She also has concerns that asbestos, which used to be used in the braking systems on some freight trains, could be present in the excavated material. Transport for New South Wales has been quick to respond to the concern. They've you know, responded very quickly. On, there was a meeting on Friday with representatives from the Progress Association from a couple of the... Um, community members who'd set up the rally and the petition, Transport for New South Wales, local members, ETA. The feeling was that we were listened to and that everyone sort of had a fair opportunity to speak and, I mean, they've certainly taken our comments on board. She credits this with the rapid mobilisation of Westley residents. It also was taken up by the wider community 
who immediately set up a, a online petition and a Facebook page. And so a lot of the communication's been through that. And then through sort of advertising, if you like, we put posters up and, and um, a rally was organised by one of the residents. Um, and we mobilised the community to do a letterbox drop about the rally. So that all happened sort of 48 hours or so. Some residents have spoken out against the Progress Association, suggesting that an influx of workers would be good for the local economy. But the likelihood of them visiting local shops or even leaving the compound at all is questionable. There wouldn't actually be a huge team of workers who are working at that site and would therefore go to the shops. Um, right. Possibly on their way in or out they may, but if they're actually working from 6 till 8, um, it, that's po it's going to be too early or too late for our shops to be able to capitalise on it anyway. Local politicians are on side too. Hornsby State Liberal MP Matt Keane said the plan showed its designers had no understanding of the local area and that he asked Transport for New South Wales to explore other options. Now that the truck traffic issue is largely gone, time will tell if residents will settle for a compromise. Declan Gooch, Triple H Newsdesk. You're listening to Triple H Newsdesk, 100.1 FM. A man who swore at a highway patrol officer as well as his friend were issued infringements by police last Wednesday. The police officer was speaking to a motorist at Florence Street Hornsby when a Mazda turned the corner next to them and the passenger leant out the window. He swore at the officer who pulled the car over nearby. The passenger was given an infringement notice for having his arm protruding from the vehicle and was warned about the use of offensive language. The driver of the Mazda received a notice for minor defects. A 21-year-old man was clipped by a car while crossing at the, at the corner of Burdett and Hunter Streets in Hornsby last Tuesday. The driver stopped to help the pedestrian. A witness told police that the pedestrian was wearing headphones and crossed against a red walk light. He suffered a fractured collarbone and was treated at Hornsby Hospital. And we'll bring you some music now, coming right up after this break. We, f we find out about a local group's attempt at breaking the world record for the longest barbecue. And stay tuned for our interview with Richard Shields, the gardener that's maintained Hornsby Park for over four decades. Remember, you can email us at newsdesk at triplehfm.com.au. That's newsdesk at triplehfm.com.au. Like us on Facebook to hear this show and any separate segments whenever you want, as well as photos, updates and more. Facebook.com forward slash triplehnewsdesk. Right now, this is Get Down On It by The Cooler Gang. While runners raced around the track on the weekend for the Relay for Life, a marathon of a different kind was being undertaken at the Taramara Rovers' stall as they attempted to set a new world record for the longest continuously running barbecue. James Elton Pym was there. The sound of sausages cooking on a barbecue is a familiar one in an Australian summer. As the weather heats up, barbecues are wheeled out into backyards around the country. It's a tradition the Taramara Rovers took to extremes on the weekend when they attempted to break the 28-hour record for the longest continuous barbecue. At a stall at Rofe Park in Hornsby Heights where the Relay for Life was being held, the Rovers cooked non-stop from Saturday morning through to Sunday afternoon. Dominic Warland is the crew leader of the first Taramara Rover crew. 
So the guys on the barbecue have to be there for the full time. We're rotating the support positions around. Yeah, yeah. The um the guys on the barbecue to get a specification get five minutes rest every hour, uh, but that kind of a cruise, so they can do four hours on the barbecue and then 20 minutes away if right. they need to run to the bathroom or whatever. Guinness World Records got to set the rules for the attempt to be valid. The barbecues had to be cooking constantly, and all of the food had to be eaten or given away. That presented some interesting challenges. Who's going to come and buy a sausage <laughs> at four in the morning? Uh, I don't know. There will be a few people walking around and a few of the staff of the relay things to stay around all night. Um, yeah. Otherwise, we've got this massive support crew of 10 to 15 people who we've we got to keep feeding over the night. If they're successful, the Rovers will be knocking off a very different group from the other side of the world. So it was a, a Swiss group at a casino opening. Um, How long so ago? That was uh, in September this year, actually. So we hope they're only going to hold the record for a month or two um, and then smash it out of their hands. But we feel that the, um, the cancer relay event is a little more wholesome than at a casino opening. Because no one from the Guinness organisation was there to see it with their own eyes, the documentation of the day had to be rigorous. And we got two people on the video camera making sure that they're um, being looked after. Right. Uh, and then we get every every activity that goes in the logbook also gets witnessed by an independent person who signs uh, in like a couple of hour blocks. Yeah, <laughs> it's really complicated. Like the barbecuing for 28 hours is the easy bit. It's getting the rest of the Guinness stuff together. That's the hard bit. And as usual, anything that could go wrong did. Uh, technology is going to be the thing that lets us down. If anything, we, um, we have to video the whole thing. Um, so we've got three cameras rolling at the moment. Um, we had two laptops overheat within the first like three hours this morning <laughs> in the sun, um, which um, sent a few people running madly to get the, um, the cameras back online. But uh, yeah, the, the, the people aren't going to be the problem. It'll be a camera, if anything, that lets us down at the end of the weekend. The Hornsby Tender Value Meats Butchery helped provide the meat. Over more than 28 hours of cooking, they needed a lot of it. We've got um, over 2,000 like individual food items to barbecue, yeah, and 4,000 slices of bread. Um, and that's a lot of bread. Mr. Warland says he expects the barbecue will raise a couple of thousand dollars after costs, which will all go to the Cancer Council. James Elton Pym, Triple H News Desk. Your independent voice. News Desk on Triple H 100.1 FM. Richard Shields is a familiar site for frequenters of Hornsby Park. He could often be seen tending to the garden and was always up for a chat. Now, after 44 years on the job, he's throwing in his gardening gloves. Declan Gooch spoke to Richard Shields earlier in the week. Richard Shields, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you very much. How did you first get started working in Hornsby Park? Well, I, I, was, in the, I was working in the shop for about oh, five years and 11 months, and I went for, uh, went for a job at the council. Anyway... Uh, when I got there, I decided, I said, um, uh, it's, uh, uh, could I have a week off? <laughs> Back in those days, they wanted everybody working these, those days. Um, anyway, uh, I said, well, uh, anyway, I come back. Anyway, they had someone down at Lisgar, they had no one down there at working at, uh, for about a month. At Lisgar Gardens? At Lisgar Gardens, yes. Anyway, they needed someone to go down there and do some work. Um, anyway, the chap that was there, he'd been away for that four weeks, but I had to do to clean up the place when I was down there. And when it first started, if you look what was down below, it hadn't been cleaned up for all those years because the council only took it over, um, like it only opened in, I think it was in se September. And then um, I, I started there on the 28th of April, 69. And I was there for three, for three months altogether. Anyway, up in the park, somebody was, there was have somebody fighting in that. So they decided to send me up there. And he said, I'll send you up there for a week's trial. <laughs> And uh, that's how I ended up in the park. Well, you were just sent, sent up to Hornsby Park just for a week and, and you ended up staying 44 years. 44, yes, that's correct, yeah. yes. 
So what, what was it that kept you attached to the park for that long? Why, why that park? Oh, because, I'm, you know, I'm into gardening and I love, love gardening. And the things that I learnt, um, I've learnt, to ha I've learnt the hard way of my gardening. You know, I, haven't, I didn't have any degrees and things like that, but back in those days, you didn't need degrees. So I decided to um, learn how to do gardening. But, you know, when you first start, I was terrible. And the gardeners there said, now, go and dig that bed up and I want you to rake it out and put the plants in. So it took me ages to do that. But um, over the years, I started to get really good at gardening. And I've learnt, you know, so much from doing what I've done over the years. And, and I learnt how to prune things and all that type of thing. And it's more sort of the people in the, that come around and have chats to you and all that. Type. I can't walk down the street without somebody saying, oh, hello, it's uh, yeah, the gardener's here. <laughs> Uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, what was it that you were doing at Hornsby Park? I was basically going up there, I was doing the blowing of the park, um, and if when, when the watering and all that type of thing, when I had the annuals, well, which of the annuals are gone now, mind you, um, that was the sort of thing I used to do was the, uh, grow the flowers and all that type of thing, you know, because I don't know whether you do gardening, but there's a lot of, lot of work entails in it, and it's all the preparing and, and things like that that I've um, done over the years in there. Did you find it hard work planting all those plants every year? How many of well, them did you did you have to plant? Well, in when once in, when I first started there, there would have been about twenty five thousand annuals in that park. You know, different beds. There's so many beds and council chambers, which when you see it, it's changed. Uh, it changed a lot in front of the council chambers and things like that. Um, and the park has changed in some ways, but in other ways, it's still some of it's still there after all these years. What, what has changed about the park um, over 44 years? Ah, uh, well, it's all the... Uh, they've opened it up. Um, I don't know if you understand, but they went back to the old style where the whole thing was completely open. They, they took out all the shrubbery and all that type of thing, and then you sort of got an open thing with the, um, the lawns. Right. Did, was that... Uh, do you think that's a step forward for the park? Oh, I think so. And, but they, they changed the top of it where I used to have annuals everywhere up the top and gardens right through. Now it's all sort of shrubbery up the top. Um, and the other thing that they did put into the park was roses right through the park and up on the begolas they did the, the roses. Over that, over that four decades too, what, what has changed most about Hornsby and about Barara? I think it's the Barara's the traffic. Uh, there's so much traffic here. You know, when I moved here, this where my road is, it's like a dirt road. Um, where that's um, and the footpath was the road, and the other part was the bush. And it was crown land when we when we moved here, and it was all bush, um, which which is a big difference. And when you go down my, where my hill is, that was all bush, and uh, the road didn't go right up to the to the road. You know, up to the top. But to give some background, you've been living in this house for a very long time. Yeah, uh, 50, 56 years. Uh, 50, no, was it? No, 58 years. And things have just changed. Like a, um, it, it, I've, I've got a house at the back of me now, which, you know, I didn't have before. Um, but it's a good place to live, you know, in Barara uh, for families. Um, I don't know whether you live around here, but I think Barara is a fantastic place to live. Um... Going back a bit further, was, was this your first job working in the parks with Hornsby Council or what, no, what had I you been? In, I worked in the shop, a shop, um, in a, a company called Moran and Cato's. And I said, you'd have to be, you know, you've got to be a fair age to remember them because when I left Moran and Cato's um, and the five years, 
six months after they, some other company took them over. And then I was, I was in the shop assistant for all those years, at, uh, mainly down at Linfield. What, um, did, did you ever run into any big challenges working in the gardens? What were some of the things that might have been thrown up that would have stopped you from doing your job or hurt some of the plants or...? Not really. No, I... Smooth sailing. I've just... No, it's all... Um, I've got this, this knack of being creative and I've always been able to... Any challenges you give me in gardening, I can, I can accomplish. I've had no, no real... Um, there's no, been no changes that I haven't been able to accomplish in the job. And do you kind of extend that interest in gardening to your, your own garden here yes, at home? Yes, I, like I love living in my, keep my garden. I, um, I create my garden so that it simplifies it. So it's, as you can see my garden, you can see it's easy to look after and there's no maintenance in it. Um, did people often come to you with questions or asking for information about certain plants? Many times. What, what would be some of the more interesting questions that you've got? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of some of the... Like, they asked... Uh, about annuals, um, sometimes ask me about different plants and, and how you grow them. That was constant with the um, how you grow things and how uh, to look after things mainly, you know, when, you, when you're uh, particularly outdoor plants and things. And uh, fr from those 44 years that you, you had been working in Hornsby Park, what is it that you've kind of taken out or any kind of lessons that you've learnt from that period? Always to do everything properly. You don't. Do, you, you always, when you look at a job, make sure that you do the thing correctly. Um, if you can't do something in gardening, my thing is that I found a way of doing the garden. Uh, not everyone can do that, but I find ways around it. What are some of your plans for your retirement now? After 44 years, you know that's that's a I that's still, a career. I still don't really know what I'm going to do now. I'm trying not to. I'm trying to just take it back a bit and relax in the job I'm doing at the moment because I said, I think, don't think you can really plan for these things um, until you, until you uh, sit back and relax. relax. I'm, going, I'm going to do sort of a lot of things that I've never done before, um, like go out and things like that. That's the main thing that I want to do at the moment. Over, that, uh, over those decades too, the council must have changed a fair bit. Did, did you find that the people that you were working with were different um, in the later decades? or uh, you, know, you must have seen out a few different managers and that sort of thing in I your time as seen, well. I've seen, seen them all come and go over those years. I think, um, uh, I can't think, um, Cook was in when I was there. And then I had all the different type of ones that have come and gone in that time. Uh, different bosses, I've had a lot of different bosses over the years, different overseers. Um, and all that type of thing. Uh, I, I don't know whether I'm, I'm boring or not, but I find that when you work with people, that's very important to me, to do things uh, and be creative in what you do. It's very good. What have been some of the more interesting plants or, uh, or things that you've had to sort of plant in the garden? Well, we've done a lot of... Um, we did a lot of changes, a lot of changes to the park over the years, and then they've redesigned it all the time. Um, I think putting the roses in was a, a, a thing in the park which was very good. Uh, that's something uh, like down the pathway. But on the other hand, I lost all my gardens uh, annual uh, over those period of time. And when you, it's, it's hard to explain with what was this best one and what wasn't best. Uh, but I think uh, the council chambers changed so much in those period of time. You know, the, the, one of the buildings was, wasn't there when I first moved there. And uh, it was just the main council chambers, and then they put the new building in, in that area over there. Um, the Hornsby 
pool too is yes, obviously something that's uh, changed quite a lot and is in the process right. of undergoing a big yes. change at the moment. What, what's your take on that? What do you think about that? I think it's going to be a good thing because the problem with the other one, it had the concrete cancer. And when it was built, it wasn't built to, uh, it wasn't, you know, it was falling to bits. And they did a lot of maintenance on it over the years. And then it was time to put something fresh and new in. Uh, that's what I feel with myself, with having someone new come in and do something different in the park. They might bring something that I won't bring to the park. And what are you going to miss the most, um, having retired now? Oh, missing the work. Because I love, I love gardening. That's my main thing in my life, is gardening and um, how I do things. Um, not a, I, I have, it's amazing when you've got creative things in your, you know, that you can do things that other people can't do. And I've always wanted to uh, do things better than other things, but for one reason, it's a challenge to me to be able to go and do something, and then you look at it and you think, well, people say, I can't do that. And I love doing all that type of things. Are you going to sort of go back and spend any more time in the park or are you sort of finished uh, with it now? Or? Past, but, you know, you can't go back into the past. You've got to stay in the present and move on with something different in your lives. Because after 44 and a half years, I don't know if you think it's a long time, but um, it's gone quick. And I feel like it's only yesterday I started. <laughs> you know, but uh, I've enjoyed everything I've done over the years in that place. Richard Shields, thanks very much for your time. Well, thank you very much, and, and thanks for um, taking the time to come and see me. And I wasn't expecting somebody to make a fuss of what I've done over the years. It's been very important to me for the people, and, and I leave with being a lot of pride in what I've done over the years. This is Newsdesk on Triple H 100.1 FM. Richard Shields speaking to Declan Gooch there. Coming up, Hornsby Council's latest idea to rejuvenate the west side. What's going to happen to the Odeon Cinema? But now, this is Dreams by Buddy Miles. Ian Ezzy has an idea for the Hornsby Odeon. He imagines what he calls a great Gatsby-like cinema complex with four screens and residential apartments on top. Declan Gooch reports. The race is on to submit proposals for the redesign of Hornsby's West Side and the Hornsby Odeon Cinema has found itself the centrepiece of one of them. Architect Ian Ezzy has put forward his plan for a huge Art Deco-style theatre complex in place of the current 470-seat cinema. He says the cinema's current facade was only built in the 1940s and an enlargement of the site would allow it to compete with the Cremorne Orpheum Theatre and the cinema at Roseville. The Odeon can be retained uh, and basically as a replica of it enlarged from two to maybe five theatres, but the whole building can be in that sort of Art Deco uh, 1930s sort of uh, approach and still uh, meet all the modern requirements. So we're trying to keep some of the nostalgia and... Uh, like everything we're doing on the west side, all we're really trying to do is bring people. Uh, the biggest investment the west side needs is population in place. The proposal also includes restaurants, a pedestrian arcade and high-rise apartments. So that uh, we're providing the customers to the coffee lounges and the shopping and everything that will, that's at the present uh, starving. We're saying let's put the people on the spot and they come down the lift and... There we are, 3,500 people using everything on the west side. Mr Rezzi doesn't believe his plan would be damaging to the heritage value of the Odeon. He says that value is primarily social 
and that the existing building would largely be retained anyway. What it really is, is the social significance of a cinema, OK? That's the real heritage of that building. We're going to replicate it and make it look very much the same and keep as much as we can, but it's really that the cinema back in the 30s through to the, before television stamped on the scene, that was the social hub uh, of society in that part. Previous plans have hit opposition from some residents, with concerns about the height of the apartment blocks that most plans appear to include. To give feedback on the ideas so far and help the council decide, visit yoursayhornsby.com.au forward slash west side. Mr Ezzy emphasised his plan is just one of many. What council is doing is just investigating, look at all the various approaches to this, OK, and that's the whole west side. All they're doing is, via the state government, is getting the right to redevelop it. But he pins his hopes on the fact that his is a wide-ranging, cohesive design. I think uh, the biggest thing is that we're doing a fair amount of the west side, and if it's cohesive and council's been very cooperative and uh, quite creative in their approach compared to older councils or previous councils, in that if it's under one guidance, you get a cohesiveness, you don't get... Sadly, Chatswood does and North Sydney does it. Everybody's competing with each other and it, it becomes a series of developments instead of a whole neighbourhood, a whole centre. Declan Gooch, Triple H News Desk. Intrepid, independent, in your area. News Desk. Hornsby State Liberal MP Matt Keane officially opened brand new facilities at Clark Road School in Hornsby on Monday. The school, which caters for children with learning disabilities, now has a brand new playground and new buildings. Students performed a musical act and were given the opportunity to speak at a formal assembly to mark the opening of the new facilities. Mr Keane said it was a pleasure to be able to support children with disabilities. Last year, the school was awarded more than $67,000 for a new accessible playground. The money was given under the state government's Community Building Partnership Scheme. The Warrawee Bowling Club is trying to attract some younger members with a few unusual events this season. Barefoot lawn bowls and twi twilight croquet will be held every Friday night during daylight savings. And so far it seems to be paying off. About 60 people have been turning up for the barefoot bowls. The event starts at 5pm every Friday and cafe food is available. The croquet club needs more members to survive, but the group is hoping that their invention of something called snooker croquet can give them, can give them a boost. A $5 social casual membership is on offer for six months. <laughs> Details are at warrawee.nsw.bowls.net.au. Forget hot dogs and ice blocks. <laughs> Students at Arcadia Public School will have healthier options to pick from after a new canteen opened there on Monday. Bendigo Bank and Bunnings provided funds for this facility. The refurbishment means staff now have the means to cook healthy food on site. 2,500 Karingo residents have done away with their old fridges and received a rebate as part of a statewide, state, statewide fridge buyback program. The council supported program is after fridges or upright freezers that are in regular use built before 1996 <laughs> and are 200 litres or larger in size. A $35 rebate is paid for collection from homes with six steps or less and removal is done by professional removalists. Visit fridgebuyback.com.au or call 1-800-708-401 to make a booking. And I'm back. Fine and sunny in Hornsby and Karingai again today with a top of 23 degrees and a humidity percentage of 61. Tomorrow and Friday will be very hot, both at about 30 degrees. But later on, around the weekend, we're in, some, in for some heavy rain, uh, potentially quite a lot. Saturday will be a little bit strange with very high levels of rain, possibly up to 15 millimetres, but it'll still be 28 degrees. 
That's all for Triple H News Desk this week. If you missed part of the show or if you want to hear anything again, the entire episode and individual stories will be accessible via our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Triple H News Desk. Follow us on Twitter. We're at Triple H News Desk. And remember, always feel free to get in touch. We urge you to contact us if there's anything you think we should know. Email newsdesk at triplehfm.com.au. That's newsdesk at triple H, spelt out, T-R-I-P-L-E-H-F-M dot com dot A-U. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you can be with us again next Wednesday from 9am here on Triple H 100.1 FM. Stay tuned for Women's Current Affairs Program, Women on the Line, up next. We'll leave you with Heard It Through the Grapevine by Credence Clearwater Revival. Have a good week. Goodbye. Listening to a podcast of Triple H Newsdesk. To get in touch, email us newsdesk at triplehfm.com.au. We want to hear from you. Be sure to tune in again on air at 100.1 FM or catch up online with podcasts like this.